Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Strange Tonic Podcast. As always, we are glad to have you here. We thank you for supporting us. Thanks to Pan Astral, Tad Lusk, for providing us music. This week, I am using You Need off of Pan Astral's currently most recent album, Spurden Blues, but they've got new stuff in the works. Check them out, panastral.com, panastral on iTunes, all of your airs you can go for the music. And check out their new stuff when it comes out, as well as their shows. You won't be, you will not be disappointed. This conversation, I feel, was a good one. I know it's been a few weeks since we've had it, but I kind of wanted to save it up because in conjunction with just the stuff that Michelle and I wrote about the aftermath of not only just this Las Vegas mass shooting, but almost all mass shootings, this idea of this shrug, this idea of nothing will ever come of any of it because we just are so numb to it. I'm glad I hung on to this for a bit longer because from a personal standpoint, it makes it feel more fresh and makes it feel like, no, we can keep talking about it. Maybe we can keep doing something about it as opposed to just shrugging. So... With that being said, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Pan Astral. Again, this is You Need off of Suburban Blues. And for those of you that may be curious, this is actually the last stored up podcast uh, episode that I have right now for Michelle and I. So when we record tomorrow night, I'll get it as fast as I can because we'll actually be caught up. So with that being said, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. things that I always find interesting is how little I really know about what actual laws are on the books when it comes to gun control. Mm. I went on a CNN board of all places. uh, It wasn't after Aurora. And that's just how many of these are. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You can't keep them straight. I think it might have been around the time of uh, Trayvon Martin being gunned down oh, by mm-hmm. Zimmerman mm-hmm. <clears throat> and just kind of spouted off something simplistic about how you know, this is why we need to close the gun show loophole. And a bunch of actual guys who knew their shit yeah. didn't, in, oddly enough, on a CNN discussion board, didn't lay into me about you know being you know, misinformed. They told me I was misinformed, but then actually provided me with information showing that, well, it's not actually as big of a problem as you think. I was like, huh, that's interesting. What's not as big of a problem? The gun show loophole, the gun show loophole specifically? Yeah. And okay. Their evidence was essentially that just because not as many guns are purchased there uh-huh. and that there already are some laws that restrict it. Like, they were saying that there's kind of this uh, 
false narrative out there that gun shows are the are the you know, forgive the term, but are the wild west and just there's all sorts of crazy arms deals going down there where if there's there's no regulation they can buy and sell anything without any traceability, which mm-hmm. they said isn't the case. And so I was just glad that people who were more knowledgeable of that than myself didn't think that, you know, oh, here's, you know, stupid liberal snowflake boy coming in here and telling us what we don't know about guns. They were like, no, here's some actual information. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's not even like there's a whole lot, there's not a whole lot of evidence for every single shooting that certain regulations would have prevented a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of the fact that there are just so many goddamn guns in America that this that's why it happens. <laughs> At least that's to mm-hmm. my knowledge. Like, oh. to, well, more to my thinking. There was a article, actually it was a collection of articles in an issue of The Atlantic. Uh, I want to say it was December of... 2012 maybe uh-huh. where they just had a bunch of different writers come forward with either ideas for how to reduce gun violence or kind of just uh-huh. their own theories as to why it was a problem and one guy flat out came out and just said there are way too many guns to ever fix this like the issue of guns as he said it's like, there's just too much mm-hmm. out there and he didn't really have a I guess you could say he didn't really have any solution. He was just kind of showing data that really opens your eyes. Like there are that many guns just floating around out there. Yeah. Then there was another guy who, you know, he wasn't trying to, because this is what to, I guess kind of get into what I wrote about on Monday. Part of what drives me so absolutely insane, not absolutely insane, just makes me so angry, I should say, after these shootings happen, is not only is you you can see what's coming, and you can just, it's everything's expected. It's going to play out the same way. There'll be outrage, but nothing will be done. And I'm not saying that if you're, anyone who feels outraged, you know, they're not, you know, that they're ineffectual, that they're not well-meaning. Yeah. It's that, I was. it's the confluence of all this stuff that drives me crazy, but no, nothing more so than the Sean Hannity's of the world that insert themselves into the conversation by saying, well, you know, if more people like myself who are trained in the use of firearms were there, this could have been stopped. Bullshit, Sean Hannity. It makes my blood boil. And this, uh, after the Aurora shooting, I remember getting into an argument with a friend's friends, I think maybe some of his family members on Facebook, where they were all going, you know, this is why everyone should have been carrying and my dad has a friend who has described himself as a one-issue voter, and that is Second Amendment. And hmm. he told my dad that that argument was not only in bad taste because you're just you're blaming the victims for their own you know, demise, what, yeah, yeah. What the fel- the <clears throat> but he was saying it it didn't matter. He said unless someone knew what was going to happen right off the bat and got a few well-placed shots in said, nope, uh, the shooter was too far away, like, <laughs> had a more powerful weapon with, you know, faster rate of fire. So, you know, if there was a bunch of guys just 
you know, all trying to shoot with handguns in a dark theater. Yeah, you really think on. they're all only going to hit the shooter? Exactly. Or the uh, in the case of Gabby Gifford shooting, where mm. a guy did have a gun and said it was lucky he wasn't able to get it out because he would have ended up shooting somebody who wasn't even like just was just standing there, right. shot shooting the wrong guy. So it just, I just want to kind of hit that nail squarely on the head that if there's any, if that's not clear in what I wrote, it should be, that drives me absolutely nuts. It's, someone else pointed out, it's kind of the whole, uh, you know, this, this happens with sexual assault where, well, maybe she shouldn't have been there. Maybe she shouldn't have worn that. You know, that happened at, yeah, yeah. with all this, you know, all those sexual assaults that went down at Baylor, that Baylor tried to sweep under the rug. Right. They actually had, like, I think it was a regent say, well, this is why girls shouldn't consume alcohol. Like, no, no people are allowed to gather, to do things, to <laughs> abide by the law and not fear that someone will come in and hurt them. Right. Like, <laughs> and that just, and it, it all played out that way. Sean Hannity did exactly say that, you know, on his show, well, as, as someone who's trained with the use of a firearm, if there are more people like myself there, or one of my favorites was a uh, Kevin D. Williamson, who writes for the National Review and is actually the uh, William F. Buckley like fellowship mm -hmm. recipient. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he had tweeted, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the exact quote, he tweeted out that if only there was a precedent for, uh, you know, armed civilians shooting up at someone in a higher position than them. So it's not a quote, but that's that's what he was trying to say. Well, that's what he was saying. And then yeah. when someone went, "What? Like, you're? Are you suggesting that a bunch of people should have just taken out handguns and fired at the side of a hotel?" Yeah, seriously. Has but, anybody watched a war movie? <laughs> And he, you can't get hit the sniper in the bell tower yeah. with a fucking handgun when you're in a crowd of 22,000 panicked people. Like, it literally makes no sense. Mm -hmm. and, well, that's what he was referencing was the uh, Texas, that, was it was it bell tower? Or, uh, was it? Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the university in Austin. Yeah. yeah, he was referencing that, which someone else pointed out, well, basically the you know, civilians kind of kept him distracted while they got a sniper in position and actually able to take him out. So it's like that. And it took, how long did that shooting last? It lasted several hours. Yes. It, didn't, it wasn't in 11 minutes time. No. And no. he also wasn't, you know, 300 feet up. Yeah. From a somewhat, uh, the way that he busted those windows out from a somewhat concealed position. Right. So Williamson tried to walk it back and say that that wasn't what he was saying and ended up just looking like a complete – he's usually not stupid. and He usually posts some stuff that makes me go, oh, I didn't realize that or I didn't see it that way, which is why I follow him on Twitter, not to argue mm -hmm. with him. But he, you know, someone kept asking him, like, why won't – you suggested people should shoot at the side of a building. Why won't you say, like, why don't you dismiss that? And he, you know, posted and re retweeted and posted their tweet and said, "Imagine being this intellectually dishonest." Like, no, you, you said that. Like, 
Maybe that wasn't what she meant, but you haven't tried to clear it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... Just... And, and then, of course, the whole thing of... If there's... Like, my sister commented on... Uh, when I posted on Facebook saying, you know, why can't we even just have a conversation? And, yeah. And it's because we can't. We are told by the Wayne LaPierre's of the world that... And they've made their voters believe this, that if we even talk about gun control, that we're yeah. taking your guns away, which... Well, it's a fallacy of the slippery slope argument. Yeah. Which I'm not even... Like, let's get into, you know, whether or not guns are good or bad. Can we just... You know, there was the whole thing of the National uh, Institute of Health can't study gun violence or do studies on it as you know, an actual health crisis in America. So we can't do stuff like that. We... <laughs> You know, the, even after the NRA said, okay, maybe we can go, do away with bump stocks, Tucker Carlson goes on TV and says that the bump stock actually made it, probably made what's-his-face's massacre less deadly uh-huh. because he was less accurate. It's like, what the, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I don't... Just, yeah, that I'm not sure that's a good enough reason to consider not uh, trying to limit pump stock availability. <laughs> and there's people that uh, I don't know if they're going to listen to this or not, but there's obviously people who are more familiar with guns, more familiar with you know, who actually serve in the military. Part of why machine guns exist is to put as many rounds at a target as possible. Right. So, I, I don't. It's like, to me, Tucker Carlson is making an argument for guns, but he's ignorant of what guns do. Yes. But that's, I guess, beside the point. It's back to like what my sister is saying. Well, Wait, see, oh, hold sorry, on. Go ahead. No, no, not. I, I don't mean to interrupt you directly like that, but I feel like the what guns do like that as a question is a really interesting uh, kind of point to bring up because what guns actually do is kill. Mm -hmm. They were designed and changed and, uh, you know, redesigned over the millennia to kill whatever target it's being pointed at. And, you know, rifles, I think do have a purpose hunting i don't have a problem with hunting and licensed hunters who are responsible and pay their their membership fees and all of that really help conservation in our country so there's that but all the other types of guns out there are meant to kill human beings so we're talking about like the physiological purpose of guns here Mm -hmm. but i think what tucker carlson and people making arguments like that what they're saying is that guns are supposed to protect you from the from the evil federal government coming to take away your guns. Yeah. Guns are meant to protect you from an autocracy or arbitrary power by the government above you. But that is that is not what guns were made for. No. That's what they're being used for. That's what they're being politicized for. But that is not literally what guns do on a very, very basic level. I was actually thinking about this as well. And this. I'm not trying to, you know, actually what I'm going off of here is another Fox News segment I saw, which was, you know, 
someone ran a truck into a group of people and killed a lot of people. Uh, should we outlaw mm-hmm. trucks? And it's, well, despite the automakers didn't want it, but you know, people like Ralph Nader said, well, not a lot of people keep dying in auto accidents. Maybe we should make it safer. And as I said, the auto industry fought it tooth and nail until the government went, no, uh, first of all, we're going to study this. Uh-huh. Second, we're going to say, if you want to build a, if you want to sell a car, it has to do this, this, and this. And they, they've right. kept those standards up. And from that perspective to guns, guns, they get, they are give, getting increasingly deadly to people on the other, like, you know, at the end of the barrel while Mm -hmm. could you imagine if uh all the while i should finish my point here all the (laughs) while i rarely hear about actually i i don't think i've heard but maybe a handful of stories where the gun's dangerous to the person shooting it The, the gun owners have focused on making it not only safe for the shooter but making Uh shooting not in more enjoyable, easier, you know, less, less recoil. Even right now, they're saying mm-hmm. that the whole push for suppressors is to make it you know, see people don't lose their hearing. And it's more gentle that way. And if we regulated cars in a similar way, where we only focused on the safety of the individual driver in each car, and say the automakers came up with some crazy idea that. If your car got, you know, if you somehow jumped a curb, your car would eject you into the sky where you would have a you know, parachute to f- come to the ground while your car just went nuts and plowed into everyone there. Or yeah. if when you got into an accident with another driver, somehow the safety response from your car is to blow the other car up. And I don't know if this is really a possibility as far as making the gun makers focus on protecting the safety of people on the other end of the gun. But it just, I, I thought about it because if they're going to sit here and try and do this false equivalence of cars to guns, yeah, let's see if we can, it's still at the same point, go, well, what about this using your same argument? And I think if, uh, if that were the case and we may just made them focus on, making guns less deadly because a lot of people just say this they're a lot of fun which i've shot an ar-15 before it is fun it's uh it's got good range to it and there's not a whole lot of kick and it's not super loud like a high-powered rifle mm-hmm. and <clears throat> at what point do we balance and not even the whole a freedom thing but at what points do we balance safety versus someone's desire to have fun and i don't know the answers to this but again to my sister's point why can't we talk about it without someone coming out and either going well did you look at this information well did you look at this and just stuff that's meant to shut you down or go there's too Mm -hmm. many guns out there. there's nothing you can do about it all you can do is arm yourself like yeah and that that it's just so silly. Like, you know, we regulate stuff all of the time. And, you know, I don't know. So you can, you can help me dive, like divulge or, or like dive into this specifically. 
But this week, I, you know, I reread the actual Second Amendment itself. Mm -hmm. Like how it's actually written. And it as a defense of, like, individual citizens being able to hold firearms, it doesn't really make sense. And no. and it's because the language of it shows a well-regulated militia mm -hmm. in order to keep a free state, their right to bear arms it shall not be infringed upon. So to my layman's non-experienced, non-trained interpretation of that, it sounds like each state, it's cool if you have your own militia, as long as you guys like maintain order, just to make sure the federal government never like does anything bad. There's also this aspect of it <clears throat> because uh, when I was a senior in high school, my debate topic was gun control, and I was on the pro side. Okay. And that left me more interested. In, this is coming from someone who I haven't shot a gun in many years but grew up – I didn't do a whole lot of hunting, but my dad and I certainly did a lot of shooting sports. Uh-huh. And so <clears throat> I got kind of like looked at this stuff. That, and of course, I like to debate. So when my debate partners, or I guess not partners, my adversaries went every place that I assumed they were going to go, I just did even more studying into why what they were saying was incorrect. So when I got to college, my first paper was on gun control. And I read several uh, legal opinions in some books in the library there at Michener. Where oh, good old Michener. <clears throat> They argued the original intent of the Second Amendment, because at that time there was no standing army, was to allow people, mainly in the frontier states, but in states all over the place, to not only own guns, but to maintain a militia to protect themselves, not so much from the government, but from third-party actors, say, oh, other nations okay. in disputed territory, but in particular... Or the Native Americans yeah, exactly. they were taking property from. <laughs> yep, the ones who were going, hey, what the hell? And, also, and then, you know, the occasional <laughs> retaliatory raid. Yeah, yeah that okay. was That was the That's main point. That's a really point. good point, yeah. And a good way to contextualize that. There was, uh, on NPR this afternoon, they had a professor who, what he studies and talks about, is really the history of guns in America. And he said that it really wasn't until 2008 mm, that the Supreme, the Supreme Court, Court. Yeah, exactly, defined, they basically made, they, they chopped off the whole militia part of it and made it just you know, the right of a, one single citizen to bear arms. You know, they, they, they took that out of it. So now it's just, you know, it's a single issue, you know, single, issue, it, single issue voters now I have a Second Amendment, which only has one part. It used, it used to kind of have two. Yeah. And I told a friend of mine one time who was arguing in favor of you know, the Second Amendment and absolutely no regulation of guns. It's like, well, what are you going to do if the government comes and tells you to do something? Well, either I'm going to band together with my fellow citizens to try and force change or I'm probably going to go along with it because, uh, you know, they've, they've essentially told me I can't have a tank or all this other stuff that they, even the police have now. So what is my, you know, what do I do with a 12-gauge shotgun? Like, I'm, I'm not going to repel the government that way. Mm -hmm. And even if, say, 
people got together and, you know, t- to use the whole community organizing thing, and tried to organize their own militia to f- you know, foment some sort of insurrection, I'm pretty sure the army's still going to beat them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's your argument, I'm afraid that ship may have sailed. <laughs> Yeah, well, and now even, like, you know, police officers are militarized in a way that if they come a-knocking with a tank on your front door, uh, you're probably in big trouble, so. I'm sorry I didn't pay that parking ticket. (laughs) You're looking down a barrel of a tank, yeah. (laughs) Here you go. Here's your $80. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like it's it's taken too far. Mm Mm-hmm taken so far that it just it doesn't help anybody really and there's a there's a front line i think it's well you can i think you can check out everything on pbs.org as far as their stuff but yeah uh, at one time it was on netflix and it's about the nra and they talk about how for years the nra was literally what it should be which is a, a group that promoted firearm safety and mm. training and oftentimes also, uh, you know, how you can teach your children how to be safe gun owners and operate guns safely and stuff like that. And then it was not so much Wayne LaPierre by himself, but there was a wing of the NRA that figured out they could have themselves a great deal of political weight to throw around if they made it more, like they were more of a political, you know, politically active group and so they've they just keep trying to tie themselves they've done it successfully because people still believe it that guns equal freedom and that somehow if you own a gun they even make Mm -hmm. it sound like gun ownership makes you like some sort of hero yeah and like eh, because as soon as the psychopath like pulls out his machine gun to kill everybody at the movie theater you can go all james bond and save the day yeah as my friend Penn said this week, everyone believes they're Chuck fucking Norris. Yeah. And There's only Chuck Norris. He's the only one. It's true. And even <laughs> even so, like, uh, I when I texted Ben that uh, Hannity thing, I think I said, like, oh, look at Chris fucking Kyle here. Was, Sean, he's talk, Sean Hannity's also talked about how he's a, a martial arts expert. What? It's like, dude, uh, are you that not com- – are you that uh, worried about your masculinity that you have to make everyone think you're some sort of ninja? <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes it very questionable, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. What do you call it? The paper – the uh, uh, where the, the guy is pretending that he's tough or trying to exude that he's tough, but he's not. Oh, paper tiger, paper lion, something like that. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what that is. And it's, I mean, we could go on for days about how terrible Sean Hannity is and Tucker Carlson. For that matter, <laughs> who, right. I don't, someone one point told me that a conservative, different conservative pundit thought that Hannity was a true believer in all things conservative. I don't think Tucker Carlson has a political ideology outside of what makes him money. Because mm. all he really seems to be good at is simply talking into a camera. He's not particularly smart. So whenever he tries his own arguments out, he comes across as 
fairly dim-witted. And I know we talked about this before, like where he was talking with Bob Woodward about, well, Woodward was trying to explain what journalism is to him. Uh-huh. And it just seemed completely fly over his head. Like he had no idea what Woodward was telling him. <laughs> just like a blank stare. But, and I, I really enjoyed your piece. Is there like, is some, because I already blabbed on a bunch about mine. Is there something about yours that you wanted to you know, expound on or anything? Uh, I I was going to tie us together, actually. Oh, okay. So one thing I noticed between uh, what we both kind of came up with, uh, unplanned, and uh, true. without really notifying each other, we both just started writing. I was like, oh, there's another draft here. <laughs> You're like, hey, wait a second. What's going on? Uh is uh, we both, you you used it as a really nice thematic element in your piece. And I mentioned it once, but the concept of the shrug. Mm-hmm. And this is a topic that has become so divisive and so, so difficult to really have a decent conversation with anybody about that, that everybody is shrugging. You know, one of the, one of the main points I got out of what you had to say was, you hear the news, another mass shooting, you shrug because it happened again and nothing will happen to prevent another one. Like, here we go again. No one's going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And the one time I mentioned a shrug in my article was where I try to discuss that all of these narratives we have around mass shootings of the lone wolf who's almost exclusively the white American male, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as you're, you know, of a different faith or brown or something, you're a terrorist. But as long as you're white, you're just the lone wolf. The shrug of, well, it's not my fault and has nothing to do with me. It's a way for us as a society to remain guilt-free and to think that this person is crazy and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Yeah. And so there's, there, there's all these shrugs. We're all just shrugging at each other. And no one's stepping up to the plate and everybody's backing down and another one is on the way. Like just statistically speaking, there's more murders that are going to happen. And, you know, to go into something slightly different that I did not talk about in my piece, but I kind of wish I had was that the idea of gun reform is not just to protect other people, but it's also to protect people from themselves the amount of deaths that happen in this country from a gun is mostly actually by suicide. Mm -hmm. There's 30 something thousand deaths, 30,000. That's a lot of deaths at the end of a gun barrel on average in the United States on a, on an annual basis, 11,000 of those are homicides and the other 20 are suicides. And it comes from the, the terribleness of depression and the terrible impulsivity of suicide. And if there's a gun available, people will take their own lives. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the last couple of years, there's been, you know, much stronger and better uh, talk about trying to assist, especially our veterans in this country who have an extremely high suicide rate. But I do wonder what are, what are the statistics of them? Our former veterans who are trained in guns, know what they're capable of and choose to turn it upon themselves. And pardon me for my swearing, but that's a fucking tragedy. Mm -hmm. 
And it's so unnecessary. We should be building people up, not letting themselves, letting them tear themselves down. So I think gun control goes far beyond mass shootings. Those are the biggest stories and the flashiest stories. But there is a far deeper, insidious, terrible thing happening in our country. We are the only country on the planet that this happens in. The only one. And we have more guns than Yemen, which is in a civil war. More guns per capita than Somalia, which is a failed state and run by warlords. Why? Why? Just because it's our right to have guns, why do we need that many? There's no explanation for why no. there should be that many. That's why I wasn't answering because I'm like, there's, there just isn't one. I'm there. I mean, the, yeah, there is no reason. There's a kind of a flippant response which got uh, you know a good laugh when he did it on his routine. But uh, Jim Jeffries in the past has said mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the only reason to own guns is it's fun. And other than yeah. that, like he talks about how in Australia after they got rid of guns, uh, homicide rates dropped you know incredibly. And so did their suicide rates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's uh, your your piece actually made me think of because I'd read it earlier in the day. Uh, he's he's a columnist for both. Uh, technically, he's a correspondent for GQ. He's a columnist for Deadspin. His name's Drew McGarry, and he's kind of usually known for writing smarmy, kind of snarky stuff that is usually he's talking about sports. So, and he immediately. You know, typed out a missive about in, in response to you know, Sunday night shooting on Monday morning where uh, let me just pull it up because it makes no sense to not get the uh, <laughs> not give it more information <laughs> well to not get the title right especially because I think it's the title itself is just kind of like nail head kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, but now it's going to be a few days old where is it? More. Well, while you look that up really quick, I did see a meme that was a clip from The Daily Show where one of the correspondents said, I recommend all of the yeah, kneeling NFL players to hold up an AR-15, and that means we'll have gun reform by halftime. <laughs> Sad but true. Or they'd find some way to make it about... I mean, have it be racial, but not ha at the same time be like, oh, it's it's not about that. It's about something else. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a joke and it's wishful thinking, but yeah. <laughs> Did I miss it? Where'd it go? Uh, dang it. Oh, there it is. Uh, yeah, the title is Las Vegas is what happens when America happens. Hmm. And he, he writes about not only just like hopelessness, but just how... To your point, nothing gets done. We, you know, we yeah. as a country, we don't step up and go, "Hey, let's fix this." My mom rarely, especially before, but you know, even now, rarely posts anything that's politically charged at all on social media. Mm -hmm. And she posted a very heartfelt kind of, "I don't usually do this, but I'm going to." Response after Sandy Hook going. These are children. Why can't we, why couldn't we stop this? Yeah. And it, it just, that, that's why my shrug just keeps happening. It's just kind of like, it's this inevitable thing that we'll, we're all going to wake up one morning, feel heartbroken, and then be forced to told, well, these things happen if you want to be free. 
I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, if you look at, uh, again, back to listening to NPR this afternoon, you know, they're talking with people of all stripes as far, but they're, they all are actually experts on this stuff. So that's, that's something that you don't usually get on, say, uh, Fox News. <laughs> Where, to your point about suicides, one uh, reporter was saying that one of the things that kind of goes unreported is that oftentimes uh, one of the most common forms of gun violence is a domestic, like a domestic mm -hmm. homicide followed immediately by the suicide of the shooter. Right. Yeah. And domestic violence. Yeah. Yes. And an earlier reporter was saying how, you know, right now there's no indication that this guy had a history of domestic violence because the studies have shown so far that in mass shootings, I believe it's like 55 to 60% of the time, the shooter has a history of rage, a history which usually corresponds with domestic violence. So they have a history of domestic violence, beating their spouse or whatever. And it's oftentimes, as you said, it's, it's rage and, especially since it's a lot of white men who are probably feeling that, you know, they, they don't have control or they're not important. And so they lash out and take it on somebody else. One of the things, and I don't want to speculate here too much, but, you know, with all this, they're kind of having a hard time finding anything out about this guy that wasn't just kind of humdrum boring, apart from he was a millionaire who was one time a postal worker. Like, it seems like he had like a thousand jobs and none of them really add up to being a millionaire. But uh, it reminded me of this must have been three or four years ago where I believe it was a German airline. The co-pilot crashed the plane to the side of a mountain. Right. Yeah. And it was basically they decided, well, it was someone who felt like committing suicide. But at the same time, going out with uh, I don't want to use the word because it's not funny, but going out with uh, maximum notoriety. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case here or not, but it certainly made me think of that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I so many of of these things that happen, we we wring our hands and we wonder why? Why? You know, why mm -hmm. does this happen? And in a lot of situations there's probably not going to be a satisfying, understandable answer. Sometimes there is. Like, sometimes we know, like, uh, the AME massacre. That happened because the kid was super racist. Mm -hmm. Like, he wanted, he literally said, I want to kill black people. Yeah. So we know what his intent was. But he also did not commit suicide. No. So, you know, there's, there's different variables that go into it. But it, it's not even a matter of, like, what was the intent behind this, but what was, like, the the ability for something like this yeah, to happen? exactly. And that's how I think we need to think about guns in this country, is not the crazy lone wolf, the terrorist, the racist, you know, whatever, whatever it mm -hmm. is. There's going to be things out there that make people want to do horrible things that everybody else who does not have that kind of hatred in their heart does not, it, we're never going to really understand it. But what can we do as a society 
to prevent the ability of that hatred from being acted out. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, I was part of the whole shrug thing too went to because this seems to happen after. Well, as I said, as I had I've had two people that go, well, what really is a mass shooting? And like, though, if it's like less than ten people, they're like, "Yeah, I don't really believe that's mass shooting." You're like, "The hell's wrong with you?" Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and then the other thing is that, as you said, like once we find out like all the specifics about the person, then we start parsing them and going, "Well, this was more about this. This was more about this." And if you look at this one, it really wasn't so much. It's like, wait, wait, wait. And it just kind of seems like it's at that point, as you said, we're distracting away from like how they did it to the specifics of why they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at a certain point, it's good to understand all of it. But when you're more focused on the why all the time mm-hmm. and so the how is inconsequential, I, I don't understand that. Right. And I, I don't know, like, I just, I just thought of this. It may not, this may not come out as a very like cogent idea. So I do apologize in advance. But when people are on trial for murder, the difference between murder and manslaughter is like, did you plan to kill this person or not? Mm-hmm. It has nothing, no, no reason. There, it ha- doesn't matter what the reason is. Did you or did you not plan to kill this person in advance? Yes. So why should we be so hung up on the why of these things happening as opposed to like, well, what can we do to prevent this from happening no matter what the intent is, no matter the reason a person would do something like this? We need to stop it from happening, period. And that's why we have to have that conversation that we can't have for some reason. Yeah. You know, it's, um, <laughs> you have, I don't want to say it's one side alone, but there's always that, the cynical, we'll just call them xenophobes, who, whenever this stuff happens, always want to know whether or not the person is a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing, I saw the goddamn Newsweek, uh, their website that said, what's his face was a recent convert to Islam. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you have well, any? Well, it's because ISIS, ISIS yeah. supposedly claimed credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They claim credit for everything. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, they weren't around after nine eleven happened, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure there were more than just Al Qaeda that claimed credit for that. This happens when people who be. are terrorist organizations looking to see, you know, promote terror go, that was us. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's like, check first check the ISIS thing because they do it all the time. But immediately, even Newsweek, which is not a right-wing news outlet, goes, yeah. yep, what's wrong with this story? It's like, no, don't do that because yeah. I know you're trying to get the scoop. But, but yeah, and uh, so just on that point, uh, I'm sure you know of her work and for anybody listening, if you really just want a good, like solid foundation for what's going on with, <laughs> with terrorism in general and more specifically with ISIS, uh, check out Rukmini Kalamaki. She is a phenomenal reporter for the New York Times and she really knows the ins and outs of ISIS. So, like, the day after the shooting, I heard an interview with her, and she said, this is very curious that ISIS would have, would have taken credit, but this has no of, none of the hallmarks of ISIS. So this is probably not true. Mm-hmm. And so far, her, her interpretation of that has borne out to 
really not be true. There's not a whole lot of evidence yet. I mean, it still remains to be seen. But as far as claims like that go, and you're right, like there's a lot of terrorist organizations that want all the glory, you know, for lack of a better word, the glory of horrible events like this. But if you want someone you can trust on that information, I would recommend Rukmini Kalamaki. And I'll have to check into that because at one time, back in like 2008, 2009, I got really into reading about not only just uh, the Middle East, but you know, Afghanistan and mm -hmm. uh, Taliban and Al-Qaeda and stuff. And I kind of got away from that when I got me a real job and <laughs> had less time. So I'll have to look into that because I don't really yeah. – I don't know as much about ISIS as I probably should. Yeah, or as much as you would like to. I, yeah. I would be in the same boat with that. But I just – I just know every time I hear, hear an interview with, with uh, Kalamaki, I think, okay, this is probably really, really good information. <laughs> she's she's like the touchstone, at least in uh, in the Western media, to, to understanding uh, terrorism as such as it is in this world uh, better. And then um, also, I just thought as another uh, recommendation or a plug, since we've been discussing gun reform and laws and why we can't have a conversation about it or why we can't really change anything. There was a movie that came out earlier this year called Miss Sloan. And it stars uh, Jessica Chastain, who's, who's my girl. I love her. Um, but anyway, she plays a lobbyist in Washington, D.C., who, against all recommendations, she tries to lobby against the NRA. And it makes for a really interesting story. So... If you like politics, if you like House of Cards, and if you want to throw in some uh, some jargon against the NRA as well, I would uh, recommend that film. I'll check it out. I unfortunately, uh, I don't. The last movie that I saw in theaters was actually the uh, ridiculous romp called "This Is the End." So it's been it's been a while since I've been it's to, been... to a movie theater. <laughs> it's a really long time, man. And even then, I don't, uh, I mean, uh, I'd gone to another movie that, pretty close to that, but that was when Julie and I first started dating, so that's probably why, like, I'm just not a big uh, movie theater guy, which means I'm not then exposed to much by way of <laughs> movies, and you know, I'm sure you can, uh, you can relate to this. Not having actual television, I never really get a. Uh, mm. I don't really see what's <laughs> out there unless someone talks about it on social media, and even then, I'll go. I'll just wait until it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see it later. <laughs> Which stinks because I really wanted to see the film uh, "The Big Sick" in the theaters. Oh yeah, that sounded great. I haven't seen it either. It's already out. I've downloaded it on. It's on iTunes now. I'm like. Oh, sweet. Like, I, cool. Well, Miss Sloan, do you have Amazon Prime? I do. Uh, Miss Sloan is uh, free streaming on Amazon Prime, so there's well, no excuses, folks. I'll have to check that out tomorrow. Just hack into a friend's Amazon Prime account and watch it for free. <laughs> well, you can give, uh, not to <laughs> give Amazon advice here, but can't you give access to your Prime account to, like, a few people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the cutoff cutoff is, but it's it's like Netflix. You can use it on you know multiple devices all mm -hmm. at once. So yeah, you can definitely like mooch off of somebody else. You know, I have Amazon Prime and Hulu, 
and my sister has Netflix and, you know, my, my parents pay for something else and we all just mooch off of each other's accounts, you know. I think that's what everyone does. It's just the, yeah, it's the way of the world right now, so. I have a, an Amazon Prime account that I actually have for work because I occasionally just order the guy's random stuff off of there. And I tried to <laughs> convince my dad to let me uh, allow him to use it, but he doesn't want to. And then I've got my own Netflix account. I mooch off of Julia's Hulu. Mm-hmm. And I think her sister mooches off of her Sling account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and I th- at one point, I think... No, I think her sister also mooches off of Julia's Netflix account. Hmm. So it's it's the way of the world. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the only one in my family that doesn't contribute anything is my brother. So <laughs> I uh, I know you're listening out there, little brother. You better like get on it and start start contributing back to this family. I I can uh, relate being a uh, younger brother that I don't <laughs> contribute nearly as much as my older sister does. And like, <laughs> it's, I'd like to say it's getting closer, but it's probably not. And it's been worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's not gotten any better, huh? <laughs> there's, uh, I guess I, ha- I, <laughs> speaking of mooching, I've also been mooching off of my dad's uh, Xfinity mobile. It's not mooching because he gave me access to it. So he's allowed to, to give it to me. Yeah. So I do watch. If that makes you feel better, Noel. <laughs> well, I just want to say, just in case people are like, "Oh my gosh, he's breaking the law." It's like, no, no, no. He he paid for it. No, no, so. no, 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 no. <laughs> and it's it's my own email account. It's not like I'm using someone else's. Yeah. Anyways, so I watch uh, in the background a lot of times. I have Food Network on, so I do see some commercials. And one of the ones I've been seeing is it's three. Well, obviously they're actors playing siblings, and the older two you know talk about like the real gifts they give. And he goes, I gave them a poem. Like, oh, God, that's me. No. <laughs> well, I can't afford to actually buy you anything, so let me write an essay for you. Like, Right. <laughs>